We sing a little chorus here. It says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I want you to take that phrase this morning. And I want us to start off our service by saying this with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. Say it with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. When we look at our life, and we see the images of our life, and we do two things when we walk up to a mirror. We either reflect upon the image that's in it, or we deflect upon the image that's in it. You've looked around and you've seen in the room that there are mirrors in this room. And today we're going to talk about mirror, mirror on the wall. And we know the rest. How's it go? We understand the story where it was the mean, wicked witch who said to the mirror, who is the fairest? And something overcame her. And here's exactly what it was when you look at the story of Snow White, and we're not preaching on Snow White today. I'm only going to touch base on it. When we look at Snow White, we come to realize that the wickedness of who that woman was, that wicked witch, looked in there and she wanted to change and transform the image that she saw in that mirror. What took place was pride, envy, selfishness. See, when we look and reflect upon our life, we must ask ourselves an important question. Do we reflect the glory of God? Do others see the image of God in our life? Let me ask you another question. How many of you have been to a fun house or to a carnival and we've all stood in front of those mirrors? Come on, be honest with me. I knew it. You know what I said yesterday? I think I, I forget who I was talking to. Maybe it was... Todd and Robin, I don't know. We were together yesterday. But I always loved going to the fun house and I would stand in front of the mirror. And because I was this tall, skinny kid, I looked in the mirror and all of a sudden my arms started swelling. I loved that mirror. I just wanted to stand there. I was, you guys laugh like you've never done it. You did too. And then there's all the little ladies who. You know, you're already a size two and you want to be a size zero. So you run over to this mirror and you go, Woo, I got an hourglass figure. I'm looking good. We all love that, right? And then the one I loved as a kid too, ready? The midget one. Did you love the midget mirror where you ran up to the mirror and you're like, Whoa, I look like a midget. My head was about this big and my body was about that tall. I loved what I saw when it came to, you know, looking at the different mirrors. It's probably, to me, one of, the, one of the neatest things about looking back over my childhood and understanding what reflection is. This morning, I want us to really focus on reflection. And how are you going to allow people to see God in your life? You know, we go through our journeys in life, and, and we know the time that we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And this time comes in our life, 
you accept Jesus Christ and you're excited, you're on fire for him, circumstances happen in your life, and it just starts to diminish. The excitement, the, the new birth just disappears. But I always notice that in the life of a new Christian, they're told over and over again, image, mirror the image of God. Mirror the image of Jesus Mirror who he is. Let people see who he is in your life. This morning, I want to take you on a journey of the mirror, of the image of God. It's not going to be long. It's not going to be drawn out. But I want you to know that there's some good things about a mirror. You see, they always tell us the truth. They never lie to us. Even if we don't like what we see, but the mirror is going to speak to us in a proper way. If we look at that mirror and we have an open heart and an open mind, then we'll start to see a proper image. There was once a man who, right in, they did this test. And I've seen it because people have come to my office for counseling. And if you're a clinician in the room, you'll also understand that people see themselves differently than who they truly are. And I love this. And you can probably, I think it's called reflections. They put up a curtain and they asked these individuals to come in. They would come in. The artist was on one side and the individual was on the other. He never saw them. He, He never spoke to them. He didn't know who they were. But they would come in and he would ask questions like this. So tell me, what do your eyes look like? What kind of hair do you have? Tell me a little bit about your jawline. Do you have a big smile, a small smile? Are your teeth spread apart? Whatever it was, how do you see yourself? They did not have a mirror. And then they would have someone else that knew them would walk in the room. They would leave. They would walk in the room. Now, he's already drawn a picture of the individual. And so the other individual would come in and they would say, he would say, so tell me about their eyes. Tell me about their jawline. What kind of teeth, what kind of hair do they have? And as they would describe it, he would start to draw a picture. Statistically, the the friend that walked in the room and spoke to the artist actually gave more of an accurate picture of the individual than they did of themselves. You know, I love when the Bible says you've been fearfully and wonderfully made. God knew you. He formed you. He created you when you were in your mother's womb. It all started. You are the seed and God has created you. But isn't it amazing that so many, the faces were sad. The, the, The expression on their forehead was changed. Some of the hair changed. The weight from reflecting upon their own life changed. Some people had more of a round face. That's how they saw themselves. Well, this morning, if we're going to make a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we need to reflect on Him. Do you have the glory of God? Does He know who you are? And if people were to say, in your walk with Jesus Christ... That they see Jesus in you. Would they be able to say that? I want you to watch closely. 
as many people, and this is just a, a pre-sermon thought for you, walked up to a mirror. And they saw some things about their own life that changed them. Watch closely. And I'm glad I've decided to follow Jesus. Oh. reflection, an image of God. Who am I? And what do people see in me? have a lot. Glad I have. I have a lot. I own a blanket, a couple pairs of socks. I'm, I'm blessed. I know God. I, I know. I know I should give up my drug addiction. I can't. It's too hard for me. If you only understood me, you'd know better. Man, if you could only see me for who I am, not by the way other people see me. I'm a good man. So maybe I have a couple hang-ups. It's all right. I wonder how people... I wonder how the world sees me, God. Probably from a distorted viewpoint. They, They probably... See me as distorted as I am. Wow. And I was kind of noticing maybe 
Hmm. This is the way the church sees me. Maybe broken, cracked. I wonder if, wonder if that's, that's how, how people see me. Maybe that is religion today. Hmm. One thing I love. My, my friends, they're really, they're really good to me, God. Yep, they call me super fantastic, good-looking, wealthy. That's, that's what I love about my friendships. But you, God, man, you, you just... Hmm, great water. One thing I know about you, God, is that when I get in your word... I know you reveal who you are. You show me who you are. See, this is a good mirror. See, this this represents who I am. It's kind of like God's word. You know, if I get a little close, whoa! If I get a little closer, I kind of notice I have some blemishes in my life. Got to rub those off. Got to get rid of those. That's kind of how God's word is. Man, as, as soon as as soon as I get in the Word, God, I, I notice some flaws in my life. But God, you know I can't do without you. I mean, I'm at the end of myself. I, I just can't do it. What we have to realize is the only way we can allow God to change us is to get into the Word. I want you to turn, if you would, please, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. It says this in verse 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, slow to anger. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity. The Bible says of abundance of wickedness, of naughtiness. And receive with meekness the engrafted, the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth that manner or what manner of man he was. And it says in verse 25, But whoso overlooketh into the perfect law of liberty and freedom... Continue with there, and he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What it's saying here is that as soon as we get in the word, we hear it, we try to apply it, but it's too difficult. You see, God, I have hang-ups. I can't let go of my past. I can't let go of who I am. This is who I am. People need to accept me for who I am. And God says, listen. The closer you get to me, the more you start to see who I am. The verse says there, but every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above above, and comes down from the Father. But yes, Todd, you need to be in your word. And so what we do is we pack up our baggage. We pack up everything because, you, you see, we're content with the lifestyle we live. We're content 
with the sins we continue to participate in. We're content with, with excuses. You see, the difference between a mirror is deflecting and reflecting. We need to reflect the image of God. But what do we do? We walk away and we forget the very things that were taught to us. But what I believe we need to do is we need to start stripping off the old man. We need to start confessing our sins when it says in 1 John 1, 9 that he is faithful and that he is just to forgive us of our sins. And then he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He frees us from the bondage that we're in. He allows us victory because he knows that he went to the cross and that he died for you and me. You're in this room this morning, and yes, it is goofy here and some hair, and some of you might have smirked and laughed and, and said, what in the world is pastor doing? But when you experience it for real, when you start to see people who have some image problems, you start to notice they need Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I had the privilege of going down to uh, Jesus Said Ministries and being a part of what I thought was a wonderful outreach of really reaching out to the community. And as I was walking from over at the, the parking deck, I walked across the street, and there was a man who got off the bus, and, you know, I kind of gave it away. I was carrying my Bible. And he said, Oh, you must be a Christian. Yeah, kind of simple since my Bible seems to be pretty big. You're probably thinking, wow, he's got the family Bible. As he looked at me and says, hey, would you mind helping a brother out and giving me money for the bus? He knew exactly. Brother Todd preached there yesterday. Great, great message on sin. As I walked in that room, I was humbled by what I saw. I was humbled by just watching people come through the door. Now listen to me closely. You may have hardship, but you've never seen it this hard. I watched men, women, drug addicts, homeless, prostitutes walk through a gymnasium. And you know what they were having? And you could shut the air off if you would, please. They were having Church. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. And I sat there. And as I was sitting there, Ron Jr. was right behind me. And this big man, he walks by. And my heart just sunk. Because as I looked at this man, I thought, he's dealing with some hardship in his life. Not only that, his butt crack was hanging out. And I, at first, was like, oh no, he's walking up front, and there's 250 people in this gymnasium. And it was so sweet, because there was a lady by the name of Blanche that just really blessed my heart. And I asked Todd yesterday, I said, hey Todd, could I ask you a question? Tell me Blanche's life. And he said she was hooked on cocaine or crack and 
uh, also was a prostitute here in Akron. And just as kindly and precious, she stood up from her seat. She walked up to that, that big man who was, I think, on some form of a drug, who was kind of disoriented. She lifted up his pants, pulled down his shirt, and this is what moved me. She put her arm around him, and she just patted him, and then she put her her head on his shoulder. And I sat there and I thought, wow. Wow, that's love. That's really exemplifying the image of God. That's the glory of God being manifested in this young lady. Wow, that's amazing. Now watch this. She stood there. She just kept standing there. I was nothing to her. And as soon as he moved, she moved. And he was standing right up front. And she went back to her seat. And she's one of the Jesus said uh, helpers there and volunteers. Phenomenal ministry. As he walked back, I looked at him. I said, sir, would you like my seat? And he said, yes. As I pulled my chair, and I looked at Junior, and I said, man, I should have let him in my seat when he walked by. But I was a guest there, and I've never been in that setting before, and I pulled my, my seat out, and as he sat down, I went over and I stood by the wall. This is difficult for me, because I thought right then in my life, where have you been, Todd? What's going on? See that man up above my head here? That's his ministry every week. That's a tattered, torn up. It says, come to Jesus. And then he holds one. He's a man after my own heart. It says, glory to God. And through the song changes, he would hold him up. And that man has made changes in his life. He was an addict as well. When God laid this on my heart three weeks ago, I said, God, I don't know where you want me to go with mirror, mirror on the wall. What's the thought process? I told my wife last evening, she goes, how's it going? I said, I don't know how it's going. But I realized it today when we were singing and that song came up and it said glory to God. And I looked up in my Bible this morning and then I googled Wikipedia and I said, I want to know what is glory? What, when you look in God's Word, what does glory mean? The glory of God. One of the greatest statements in the Bible. I always say glory. I understand that it is that manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to listen closely. It says this, a Christian should live a holy life that reflects the nature of God. The glory of God. Who saved you from your sinful state? Now, this is what I looked up. This is what it said. The glory of God, the manifestation of God's presence, since we are created in the image of God, human beings can share or participate in divine glory as image bearers. Bearing the image of God. Like a mirror, you reflect God's glory. When that young lady, he says, as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. When that young lady walked up real gently, pulled up his britches, pulled down his shirt, and she loved him. She showed the manifestation 
of the Holy Spirit. That was the glory of God as a reflection of her life. As we read in James, it told us that it's a perfect reflection. A mirror can show us our strengths and our weaknesses. The only problem is for the mirror to work, we have to get close to it. A forgetful hearer is someone who sees themselves in God's mirror, but then goes away and does nothing about it. Silly, isn't it? If you see the problem, do something about it. I want to give you three small points this morning. When we look into the mirror of God's Word, what do we see? When we look into the mirror of God's Word, what do we see? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your message this morning. We thank you for your glory, the manifestation of your Word. And Lord, help us to mirror your image. Help us to be more like you. Not to deflect, but reflect. Lord, we love you and we thank you that we've had this opportunity to to come together today. Lord, speak through me with clarity. Hide me behind the cross in your shadows. And Lord, let me brag about just how awesome you are. Thank you for going to the cross for me, for us, for everyone. In your name we pray. Amen. One, we see our flaws. We see that we are sinners. I love what Romans 3.10 says. There is none righteous. No, not one. It's simple. When you see a man walk through the door, stinky, smelly, as I sat there yesterday, a man had peed all over himself. He had nowhere to go. As I sat there and the stench just came from this young man, my thought was this. There's none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, church. Sin will take you down. And the whole ship. And the whole family. You've come to a place where you can be delivered when you admit, one, I'm a sinner. I can change. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. That it's not of yourself. Verse 9. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm okay. I'm fine. I'm never changing. You look good. Yep. I think you should stay the way you are. You're homeless. You don't have anywhere to go. And uh, better yet, you have envy and greed and lust in your heart, in your life, in your mind. Stay the way you are. That's what the flesh tells us. But the Spirit of God wants to manifest Himself and to deliver you and give you freedom and victory so that you can have a breakthrough. God wants you free. It says then in verse 10, For we are His workmanship. We were created for Him. Says this, 
We were created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath prepared that we should walk in them. Are you walking in the ways of the Lord? When you reflect upon your life, is it just a bunch of stickers? Maybe your life is somewhat distorted. Maybe you've lacked being in the Word and, and so you don't go to church because you say religion's all cracked up. I can't be a part of it. Well, I'm not talking about a religion today. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And He wants you to have a personal relationship. Teenagers, I love seeing you grow in, in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I love watching you mature in Christ. I love having a youth pastor and his wife that invest into your life and take you on retreats. It's important that at this time in your life, you understand who the Spirit of God is. And you allow Him to manifest yourself because He wants to use you more now at 13, 14, and 15 than He does later on because He wants you to be a willing soul. One, we must admit we have flaws. Two, we also see that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Turn, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read this with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new... Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become... And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, or to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, when we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to who? To God. And I love this verse. Listen closely. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. Say it with me. In him that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Let me ask you something, church. Where have you been walking? What have you been practicing? Do you have unrighteousness in your heart? Is there jealousy and greed and gossip and slander? I want you to understand that as we've seen Jesus Christ here, we realize that He took on our sins on the cross. And He knew no sin. He didn't even understand it. I'm sitting there yesterday looking in a room of 250 people thinking, Oh God, deliver these people from their trespasses. Deliver them from the hardship of their life. For they're going to just eat up this food and go to the next place. But I have to say, as I was praying, and you were talking about sin in their life, I thought, they're never going to understand till they get to the end of themselves. Here's a man. I looked over and 
Todd, and then I saw Jeff and Debbie there, and Jeff, Jeff and both of them told me separately, see that man right there? He lives in a real bad neighborhood. Yeah, all those little ones, those aren't his children. He gathers them all up, and he brings them here so they have something to eat because mom and dad are strung out on drugs. Listen, if something has a hold on you, and it's a stronghold, you need to let go and let God. You must be delivered. God wants you delivered. You see, as we go back and in the quietness of our house, we're back to the mirror again. And the mirror starts talking evil things to us. It's okay. No one knows. It's okay. You just be yourself. You know, hey, he went to the cross for you. He knew no sin, but hey, it's okay. You, you just excuse your behavior and you live the life you want to live. But if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I sat there humbled. I got in the car. I called my wife. And I said, we need to do something. Now I'm going to show you what these folks do there. This isn't, and I love Haven of Rest. I love what the, the Thomases, Thomases did and, and how God called that man to a great work in Akron, Ohio. But I have to tell you something. It was nothing compared to what I saw. And I've been to the Haven of Rest. And again, do not misinterpret what I'm saying. I love the Haven Arrest. I love what they're doing, how they're delivering people. But you know what I loved about being down there at Jesus Said Ministries? Is this. There wasn't one bit of food that was bought. It was all brought by every one of the volunteers. It was moving for me. People were carrying in crock pots. And bowls, plates, and food, and drinks. And there's a man there that provides cereal for everybody. That is his ministry every single Saturday. For he realizes that when church starts, they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people are going to be freed. They're going to hear the word of God. And they're going to be delivered from the iniquities of their life. It's awesome. Listen, Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What are we doing, church? Jesus Christ is coming back. And we've been walking after the flesh day after day after day after day, all because we say mirror, mirror on the wall, who's the fairest of them all? And we turn around and we look at ourselves and we go, you are! When in all reality, he says we are as filthy rags. For years I've wanted to come into this sanctuary, get a mask. This is where I need to go to Al Pocock and get a mask. And I wanted to come in here and I wanted to be a, a homeless guy. I wanted to get some skunk odor. And uh, I wanted to come in and just sit down. Because until you walk in their shoes, and listen to me, I don't condemn one of them. Because when I see them praising the Lord and all morning long, so Judy, Judy's up there singing. Steve, is that their name? Yeah, Judy and Steve, they're just praising the Lord. And everybody's eating. And I understand, because I'm watching some of them. They didn't want to hear what Todd had to say. They don't even want to hear the music. 
They want the food. Because their mirror on the wall says, get all you can. Can all you get. Put it in your backpack and run on down the road. That's what I watched. But you know what? As I saw this young man, 21 years old. I looked around that room and I'm thinking, my goodness, there's 21. I know he's got to be 23. She's got to be 24. They have an infant baby. My goodness, what is going on? We see it only when we want to see it. And I understand. I understand that, listen, church, it's the same old people at the same old corner, and it's their career. We'll work for food. Why haven't they left? Because they're not working. They want to feed their habit. They have a problem. They need delivered. They need Jesus Christ. For Jesus said in the Jesus said ministries, I'm the way and I'm the truth and I'm the life. You'll never be free from the bondage you're in until you have the glory of God in your life. Now, I've got to get moving here. We see that by believing in Jesus Christ, we can be changed forever. Point number three, my last point. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, You are a temple of God. His Spirit dwells in you. Turn with me, if you would, please, to 2 Corinthians. Go back a couple pages. Chapter 3, verse 18. Now, I'm going to take a minute. I think I'm going to read the chapter to you. It's only a few verses here. But listen closely as it talks about the veil. How many of you have watched a wedding and you see somebody walking with a veil? Less and less people are doing it today because I guess they don't, they don't understand the importance of purity. And so many people are, I guess, there is no significance to them. And it's okay, but I love when I see a bride walk down the aisle because she's representing purity. Her veil's over her face. It's protecting. And who gets to see her first up here at the altar? Her husband, the groom. Isn't that what Jesus, what God said to us, that Jesus Christ presents his church as a what? Bride. So watch closely. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Ye are epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God, not in table of stone but in the fleshly tables of the heart. Now, I'm going to stop right now. Tables, stone, we're going to talk about the Ten Commandments quickly. We're going to look at this, and you'll see that that's the tables of stone. But it's more important because what uh, Paul's trying to say here is that they've lost their way, they've lost their focus, and they've become very lazy people. Okay, let's continue. Verse 4. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth. But the Spirit gives what? Life. But if the ministration, verse 7, of death written and engraved in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses, for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not be... How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? So it says, for if the ministration of condemnation, the ministration of condemnation in King James, I'm going to put it in our terms, that's the old covenant. That's the law. Okay, we're talking about, um, we're talking about Moses here. And if you look back on verse 7, it says, 
we, even when Jesus, I mean, when Moses went to God, what happened? When, when the people saw his face, there was a light that was shown around him. The glory of God was shown around Moses, okay? So we're, look, we're talking here in verse 9 about the old covenant and the new covenant, okay? When it says ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. That's the new covenant, which is the grace of God. Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for our sins. We're under grace. Are you following me? Amen. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart, still waiting for the, the Messiah to come, the Jewish people. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know that song? I love that. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. But we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now I want you to go back to the Old Testament to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, verses 27 to 35. Here's Moses, and we're talking about the table of the law, and I just want to kind of correlate with you so you understand where we're at. Not to bore you with the Old Testament, New Testament, but understand that the Jewish people really still hold in high regard the Ten Commandments. And so we continue. And the Lord said unto Moses in verse 27, Write thou these words, for after the tenor of these words I have made a covenant with thee and with Israel. And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tablets of the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. See it? You all see it there? Okay. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with two tables of testimony in Moses' hand. When he had come down from the mount, that Moses was not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. When Aaron and all of the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come close to him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all of the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with him, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shined. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. Verse 18, here's what it says. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror of the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as the Lord, the Spirit. Now, we notice here that the glory that the Spirit imparts to the believer is more excellent and lasts longer than the glory that Moses experienced. By gazing in a mirror at the nature of God, 
with unveiled minds, we can be more like Him. In the Gospel, we see the truth about Christ, and it transforms us, what? Morally and physically, as we understand and apply it. Through learning about Christ's life, we can understand how wonderful God is and what He really is like. And what happens? As we get close to the mirror, our knowledge deepens. You'll never have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you're never in His Word. You'll never have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you're never in His presence. Have you sensed the presence of God here this morning? Isn't it wonderful? That's why we come to church. He says, we're two or more gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. That's just an advertisement for you. The Holy Spirit helps us to change. Becoming Christ-like is a progressive experience. Remove the veil today. And you'll see you may be in the process of being changed into the image of the Lord. And as a result, you will have new life with Him. Romans 8.29 says this, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Philippians 3.21 says, Who shall change our vile body, our old decrepit body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body? 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. You can't see Him for as He is if you don't reflect who He is on this earth. Amen? It says we'll see Him as He is. With Jesus coming, we will be transformed into His likeness. If you're a believer, let the transformation take place today. Matthew 5, 14 says, You are the light of the world. In closing, I want you to listen. The Bible is like any other mirror. You know why? That mirror can't change me, but God's Word can. We need to be changed from day to day, from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You see, God's mirror can make us beautiful. Where? On the inside. Allow God to remove the veil from your life. So you can be like mirrors reflecting God's glory. Listen, church. When a person comes to Christ, the veil is lifted and his or her spiritual perception is no longer impaired. With the veil removed, believers are able to see the glory of God revealed in Christ Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verse 14 says this, or chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. You see, the law was never given, meaning the Ten Commandments, to save them, but to lead them to the one that would save them. Is your vision impaired? When you look in the mirror, do you see the glory of God in and through your life? How about in the life of others? Is your mirror a little distorted? Is it covered with aluminum foil? 
Is your mirror masked with stickers by what others have said about you that you've believed or not believed and that has harmed your life? How about this? Is your mirror cracked and your whole life of Christianity and the church distorted? Or are you carrying around a small mirror? One that keeps you seeing the glory of God. Today, we've all, I believe, come to a crossroads in our life. My sincere desire is to see every Christian have a deeper relationship with Him. You see, it might be somewhat tacky, but when I look in a mirror, I want to see the image of Christ. And it's upside down. Because I'm supposed to turn it. There it is. You know, that should be our life. We should see the image of God. If we as Christians don't allow the Holy Spirit to become real in our life, we'll never have freedom and victory. If you never allow the Holy Spirit to manifest Himself in your life, you'll never have freedom and victory. Jesus wants you to turn away from your wickedness. We know the Scripture talks about justification, sanctification. More than anything, it talks about righteousness. This morning, I'm going to ask you a question. Have you made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ? When you look in the mirror of your Christian life, can you say, I am a child of the Most High God? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you haven't, today's your day of salvation. I'm going to be down front here. Pastor Chris will be down front. You've been coming to church. You've been practicing church. You have a cracked dimension of what religion is. It ain't a religion, it's a relationship. Today's where you begin your relationship. Maybe you have backslid. Maybe your relationship isn't where it should be because you chose to, to, to stay looking in the mirror and making yourself your focus instead of going to the one that can change your life from glory to glory. So this morning, I'm going to invite you to change who you are. God has already pricked someone's heart this morning. I know it. Matter of fact, I felt it before I even started preaching. So I knew that God was doing a work. God brought you today to this divine appointment for a reason. It's not by mistake. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that you can reflect the image of God? You don't have to deflect any longer. You don't have to say, it's his fault, it's her fault, I'm not doing this because of him or her. No, today's your breakthrough. Today's your freedom. Today you can look at yourself, you can look at your relationship with him and say, I'm changing. I'm done I'm done with the, the sinful, the wicked man in my life, and I'm changing. And when I see somebody that's less fortunate than me, I'm going to look at them like I'm looking at Jesus. When I sat in that room yesterday, it took all we had not to ball, didn't it? Because we lose, we lose focus of who Jesus is. 
Listen, I could have slept in yesterday. I could have come up with the excuse and said this. I'm not going there. Saturdays, I need to rest. I get to sleep in on Saturday morning. We have an outreach called the Nepali Fellowship. We have Operation Christmas Child that's an outreach. We have Jesus Said that's an outreach. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to plan a day when we can all go and serve and work there on a Saturday. We need to take on that ministry. Because when I see people walk in, you know what they're doing? They're giving somebody hope. Here you go, Bill. Here you go, Ron. Here's some food. It's phenomenal. They had church. And at the very end, what's that black gentleman who's a pastor? Who? Reverend Cloyd. When he gave the benediction and the prayer, I just wanted... I thought all of a sudden I became a little charismatic Pentecostal. And I'm not Pentecostal. I'm evangelical, but I'm not Pentecostal. But I just wanted to start shouting and waving my hand, and I was like, glory, this is great. Because he talked about life. He talked about change. Listen, you're here today because God wants to change your life. You don't have to be the homeless man that came forward. You don't have to believe the lies of your ex. You don't have to believe the lies of your peers. You don't have to believe the lies of your children. You don't have to believe the junk anymore. For today is your breakthrough. And there is freedom for you. If you'll let God manifest Himself and you'll see the glory of God in your life. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to lift you up. We're here to lead you to the cross. We're here to lead you to Christ. If you'll just come to Him. Will you let Him come in your life? Will you let Jesus Christ be the image that you need to mirror every day of your life? No matter where you're at. If you're in the car. If you're at fast food. If you're at work. If you're at home. I can't wait till He comes back and raptures His church, Terry. I am excited about what God is going to do. Because I know, I know where I'm going. I have Him in my life. Is He a part of your life? Let's not just make it Sunday. Let's make it a daily walk with Him. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Let's all stand as we pray. Jesus, we come to You, Lord. Realizing that... We can't do anything on our own. But Lord, we need freedom and victory. We need deliverance. Lord, there's people in this room that are dealing with grievances, that are dealing with hurt, that are dealing with offenses. God, we need to let them go. Lord, help us to see that You're just a simple man who came but died and did such a profound sacrifice. Oh God, I love your word that says that we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Oh God, help us not to be conformed to the world, but be, help us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Lord, that that what is good and acceptable, it's the perfect will. God, help us to no longer play church. Help us to be the church. Lord, help us to dig in and serve you instead of making excuses. God, you must be sick of it. Lord, turn your church around. Lord, remove the veil. Let your light shine through. Let people see you. 
God, thank you for your people. Lord, today, I know that there's somebody in this room that needs you. Lord, help him to humble himself and come before you so that you can lay your hands on them and deliver this man, woman, young person, whatever it is. God, deliver them today. Lord, maybe there's someone here that needs saved or baptized. Lord, we just pray that they'll come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ today. Lord, it's all for nothing if we don't preach salvation. God, help us, Lord, to strip away the old man and to walk in the new manifestation of the glory of God. God, thank you for reminding me who I am, just a sinner saved by grace. In your name we pray. Amen.